Amen. How many is Christmas your favorite time of year? Is anybody that their favorite time of year? I think it is my wife's as well. And why wouldn't it be? Is it we celebrate the birth of our Savior and we, we think about that time in history where uh, God came and uh, in the flesh and lived on this earth. What a, we really ought to be grateful people as we think about that. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that. And uh, how many of you for Christmas spend a, a big part of your time watching Hallmark Christmas movies? Is there any of you like that too? Yeah, there's a few of you. Well, that, that would be my wife. She, she loves, but that starts in July. <laughs> that starts in July. It's pretty much a, a year-round thing. I was able to convince her uh, to uh, switch a, a service that we use, but it lost Hallmark, but I got the Cubs games for a couple months. Uh, that only worked because it was only a two-month season this year. Otherwise, I'd have been in big trouble for, uh, for that request. But she was gracious and let me have that. I, I was thankful, though, to hear that. I wasn't the only one that thinks this way. Remember the missionary and he spoke about Hallmark Christmas movies? Yeah, well, you know the plot, don't you? <laughs> Pretty much the same. But uh, they are good movies. Okay, if you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11. Tonight we're going to talk about running the race. It's a particular race we run. It's a race of faith that we are running in. We're running in the race of faith. You may have heard this before, but uh, for the 20th anniversary of Larry King, how many of you remember Larry King? Okay, some of the, most of us older people uh, remember Larry King for those of, that was when CNN was in, but now it's in, you know, but, uh, but so if you don't know who Larry King is, ask your parents if you're in here, but Larry King uh, had a 20th anniversary special with Barbara Walters interviewing him, and uh, she asked him direct and revealing questions. And two of the most telling responses came when she probed about fear and faith. Walters asked King, what is your greatest fear? So directly asked him, what is your greatest fear? He immediately replied, death. Death was his greatest fear. And, and again, this was in 2005, and he was at the very top of his career. He had much to lose, okay? He had a pretty good amount of wealth. But none of that matter compared to the fear of death. That's what he feared. Her follow-up question was, do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? And he said, I'm not sure. I'm an agnostic. You know, regardless of success or status, if we're uncertain about God, we will most surely be fearful of death. So, agnostic means, uh, believes that God can neither be proved or nor disproved. So, he wasn't an atheist denying God completely, but he said you can't prove or disprove. So, Larry King had a measure of faith, but he didn't have a full measure of faith. Okay? So, there's different measures of faith. You know, there's many people that believe in God. You talk to them, yes, I believe there is a God. Then you'll hear others that say uh, they, they pray to God every day. We hear that quite often. You talk to someone, they don't have a testimony of salvation, but they'll say that they pray all the time. 
So they have a, a measure of faith that says, I will go to God in prayer, and I will spend, and I will talk to God. Then you have some that, uh, again, maybe doesn't have a clear testimony, but they give to different organizations, maybe even churches, or maybe an, on our t- television evangelist or something like that. So they have enough faith to believe uh, that, to, that, 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 should, that there's some, some reason to give uh, to some sort of ministry. Not always good ministries, but they have some sort of faith to give. Some are willing to work for God. You know, do all kinds of work and all kinds of service and all kinds of things to work for God, believing perhaps that their service will bring blessings or their lack of service will bring some sort of, of uh, uh, harm their way. So there's some that have enough faith that they, they, are, they, they will work for God and do things for God. You know, some of these things are not necessarily bad. They're, they're good things to do. Well, however, do they please God? Is that the type of faith that pleases God? Now, if you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, we'll see that there is a man. And what is this chapter called? The, the Hall of Faith, the Great Faith chapter. But it mentions a great uh, many men that live by faith. As you go through here, you see by faith, in verse 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And uh, as you go through, there's other mentions of Noah. There's mentions of many other of these great men of faith. But there's one that sticks out that's just a little bit different. Not just a little bit different, a lot different. Very peculiar statement is made in reference to him. And that is in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at this scripture, Lord, that speaks about faith, Lord. It speaks about uh, the race that we are partaking in, Lord. Lord, we are thankful for those that have gone before us, have lived a life of faith, Lord, that we can learn from, we can glean from, and we can be encouraged by. Lord, even today we see examples of faith around us, Lord. And Lord, I trust that each one here that has chosen to come back on a Sunday evening, Lord, that they have a desire to please you as, as well. So Lord, help us to open our hearts to, to learn what you'd have for us tonight. And Lord, I ask that you would do what I cannot do. I thank you for it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So there is a, kind of a, an odd word in there that, that, is, that is not in our modern-day English vocabulary that we would probably use, and that's that word translated. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. 
Out of the, all of the others in this chapter, Enoch is the only one mentioned that was translated. Well, what does that mean? Well, turn to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, in verse 21, we see an account of Enoch. It says in verse 21, And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And we see in this next verse why I believe Enoch was different. Not that the others did not do this. There was something really about Enoch here. It says this, and Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So Enoch did not experience death. He was taken straight to heaven. Him and one other person in the Bible uh, that happened to, that we, who was the other one? Elijah, Elijah, 2 Kings 2.11, and it came to pass, and they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. He was taken straight to heaven, did not experience death. Now, many believe that Enoch and Elijah will be the two witnesses during the tribulation period. We don't, can't say that for sure, but there's definitely something different, that a purpose that God had in taking them directly to heaven. But there's something interesting. When you look at Enoch, it says, He walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch pleased God. Not only did he serve God, not only I'm sure he gave God, not only I'm sure he obeyed God, but he walked with God. He had a relationship where he wanted to walk with God. And can you say that? Do you have the type of faith that you're willing to walk with God? That you have a relationship that you spend each and every day with Him in your walk? Now, turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 6. It says this, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Him. Are you seeking God? Are you seeking Him in your daily lives? Are you seeking Him out in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening? Are you walking with God? That pleases Him. He wants that close fellowship with us. So, if you turn over to chapter 12, I'll be there in a minute, but we're looking at this race that we are all in. The moment you get saved, you are in what we call the race of faith. You're in a, you're in a race that uh, begins at the moment of salvation. So first of all, before we even get into this, are you saved? Are you in this race? Or have you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Savior? I trust that you're here tonight, you're here on a Sunday night, that you are, and you've made that decision. Maybe if you're watching online, I want to encourage you 
to make that decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is a step of faith to put all your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now that's a, a measure of faith that's willing to trust Jesus Christ for your eternal destiny. You believe that you're a sinner. You believe Jesus Christ died and rose from the, de from the dead. And you believe that you're forgiven. And that is a measure of faith. But too often times as Christians, we stop there and we don't grow. We're just content with the fact we're saved. We, we, we know we're going to heaven. We're, we have a, all confidence we're going to heaven. We have assurance of our salvation, but we don't grow. And we don't continue to walk with God after salvation. Therefore, often we're not pleasing God with our lives. So before we can run in the race, first you've got to be saved, but second, you need to learn to stand. Okay, you ever take a, a baby, I'm sure none of you have done this, and said, okay, I'm going to take you and I'm going to enter you in this three-quarter mile race, and I just want to see how you're going to do. Okay, here you go, take off and just see how well you're going to run. No. They haven't even learned to stand yet, right? You've got to learn to stand first. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.24. It says this, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your, for your joy. For by faith ye stand. Stand, to be able to stand is you are secure in your salvation. You're secure in your faith. You're secure. And that's why one of the Baptist distinctives is uh, as the, the security of the believer, okay? If you don't have that settled in your heart and you think, well, that's simple. I, I, I never had a problem with that. But some Christians do. And therefore, because they haven't learned to stand, they are not running. They're not serving. They're not in the race, okay, because they're, they're not settled on that issue. They're not settled on the, the, the security of their salvation. But that is one of the distinctives of a Baptist, and it is biblical. That's what the Bible teaches. I don't have time to go through there, but you have to be able to stand first in your faith. If you're not standing on the promises of your salvation, grace through faith, then you're not going to be able to run the race of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is probably the clearest presentation of, of the gospel in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the first few verses, it's very clear what the gospel is. And it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. So the Apostle Paul says, here's the gospel, and this is what I've taught you, and this is what you're standing in. And he goes on to tell us what the gospel is. He says, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, lest ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. And here it is, right there. And that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So Paul's saying, this is what I've taught you, this is the Gospel, and that's what you stand on. So we've got to learn to stand on the truth of the gospel and know what it is and be able to stand in the truths of it. But then we have to learn to walk. Too often times, if you're like me, 
you may want to take off running before you've learned to walk, okay? And we have to learn to walk before you run. Just like a baby, baby first begins to crawl and then they stand and before they learn to run. So we need to learn to walk by faith. We need to learn to walk by faith. So we learn to stand by faith. We're settled in our salvation. We're standing in confidence of our salvation. Now we need to learn to walk by faith. We need to, what does that mean? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 says, Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. As we begin, after we get saved, we're standing in the gospel, and, we, and then we begin to, our, our life is being transformed by the Word of God, and we begin to live in sight of eternity, and we begin to put off, and we're putting off the old man and putting on the new man, and we're beginning to obey God and live in His light and follow Him and walk in, his, in steps of obedience. We begin to walk by faith. We no, begin to walk instead of on the things of this world and the things that we see and the things that we desire. We begin to walk for the things that God desires and the things that God shows us. And we begin to desire the things that He desires and so forth. So we begin to walk by faith. Begin to walk by faith. Some, and then really that's an it's a lifelong battle for us, okay? This is a struggle. It's a faith struggle, but it is part of the Christian life is that we walk. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the, le- of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But it goes on to say, but if you be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Okay, that's key. If you be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Just kind of hold on to that for a minute, because in a little bit we're going to talk about a hindrance to running the race. A hindrance to running the race. And that... That verse right there kind of hints about what a hindrance, one, one hindrance to us running the race can be. So learning to stand and walk is necessary before we run. Well, why? Well, running requires, okay, it requires strength, it requires endurance. The race is a marathon that we're in. Now, I remember... How many of you were, went out for track? Any of you were in track? We have one, two, we have a few. Okay. Um, I won't say what I was about to say. If there was nobody, I would say, oh, I hated track. I'll just go ahead and say it. I hated track. I didn't get it. I didn't see why it was fun. The, 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 our, our coach would send us out. And he said, okay, I want you to go run. It was like five miles, and he called it a fun run. Man, that wasn't fun. It wasn't fun at all. It was, it was the most miserable five miles. I, I, I didn't get track. I didn't get track. So when I got into high school, I had the option of playing baseball. So I played the, the best sport there is, baseball. But, but track, okay, you don't go out and just uh, take off and run five miles. You, you, the first day of practice, you're probably going to struggle, okay? 
probably not going to make it. But I remember, I didn't know anything about track. I didn't know any better. I just figured track, you get out there and run. Well, uh, the first couple of meets, I remember I was on the relay team, and it was like a 4 by 100 or was that a 4 by 100 or whatever. It was a one lap around, you run 100 yards each. And uh, so you just sprint for 100, for 100 yards or meters, whatever it was. You tell how much I was into track. <laughs> Not much. Couldn't wait till it was over. But uh, run, the, run the 100 yards, and then you hand off the baton to the next one, they run. So you just sprint and you go. You grab the baton and go. Well, the Christian life is not like that. It's a marathon. You don't grab the baton and just take off running. You've got to learn to walk and then run. But I remember a, a few meets later, I was asked to do the 800. That's a half mile. I do remember that. I'm thinking, well, they line you all up, and you're, you're in a you're line. And the, well, first of all, it, it, that's right away is different from the other races where you in these starting blocks and all that. You just stand there and you go, if I remember right. But anyways, so they blow the gun, and I just take off just like I did with the, with the sprint. And I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm running hard. And I get around that first lap. My coach is going, yeah, Brandon, go, go, go. And he's, you're, you're in pace to break the record. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm blowing these guys away. And, and then I get around the first turn, and all of a sudden, I run into a wall. I start getting tired and getting wore out. And I go, oh, no. And then... And then I start looking around to see, am I still winning? Am I still on pace, coach? And I wasn't even close to being on pace. The next thing you know, people started passing me by. Started passing me by. Now, I come around the last curve, and I, I believe I still finished okay, if I remember right. It's like, but I was, that's not how you run that race. You've got to pace yourself. Okay, I didn't have the endurance to keep up the pace I was at. And uh, so that's not the type of race we run. We're running a marathon. And marathon runners need endurance. So now we're in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Now I touched on this this morning. I touched on this this morning. It says, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. When you see that word wherefore, you've got you to look backward to see why that is there. And so the, speaking of the previous chapter of all these great men of faith uh, as being this great cloud of witnesses. These are men that had gone before us and we can read about their example of faith. And it is, uh, some have thought that they are actively watching us as witnesses, but I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe they're like in the stands watching us. But we can look to them, okay, their witness and testimony that's recorded in Scripture as a testimony of a life of faith. So, not only so there, that's why I love testimony time in the church. When we take time to do testimonies and you hear about uh, faith in people's lives when they're enduring certain trials or enduring certain things in their lives and we hear about the, the, the the, what God is doing in their lives. And uh, so that's why I love testimony times. But, so we have these recorded accounts of these men of faith. So it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also come about with so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Well, that word patience there means endurance. Let us run with endurance the race. So how are you doing in the Christian race of faith? Are you in the race? Are you just getting started? That's okay. Just make sure you're in the race. Keep learning. Keep growing in faith. But we've got to beware of the obstacles along the way. There are obstacles along the way. And I can tell you, uh, anyone that's been saved for a period of time, a long period of time, they'll be able to tell you about the obstacles that come, the trials and those things. That, uh, and, but there is also something else that we have to be aware of that's a hindrance as well. That can be a hindrance to our race. And maybe you haven't thought about this, but it's very important. And it's, uh, in, uh, it's, if you want to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7, we see Paul speaking once again to the church of Galatians. And he's, he's talking about the race, okay? And he's looking and he, he says this. He says, Ye did run well, but who did hinder you? Ye should not obey the truth. He said, You run well, but now there's a problem. There's something that hindered you. You're not running well anymore. What happened? He says, This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So what do you suppose that Paul is talking about there? When he says, you were running well, now all of a sudden something's hindered you and you're not running well so, more, so, so much anymore. What are some thoughts? What do you think Paul is talking about there? Talking about the law. He's talking about a different gospel. Okay? He's talking about someone that was bringing in a different gospel than what he had taught them. So we've got to be aware from that. And you look at it, I believe also that is one of the, what Paul is talking about, and I believe Paul wrote Hebrews when he says, let us lay aside every weight. Okay, when we put the weight of the law on someone, okay, they're going to hinder them in their race and maybe cause them to stumble in their race where they fall and they're not in the race anymore. So that's why doctrine is important. Okay, that's why doctrine is important because we want you to run in a race. I want to run in a race, but we got to know what's before the wherefores and the therefores in the Bible, which is, becomes the practical part. We also must know why we do what we do. And that's the doctrine. Okay? So, um, I planned on, I thought about teaching on the Baptist distinctives tonight, but uh, I chose not to. But it's important to know why, why are you a Baptist? Okay? There are certain distinctives that uh, are part of being a Baptist. And so, so we got to be careful about false teachers and false uh, that would come in. He says, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump and it spreads. That word hinder means to beat back. And that's what was happening in the church there. Uh, is that, that it was introducing the, often the, the Jewish uh, uh, converts or Jewish uh, 
Judaizers wanted to say, you, you need to be circumcised. They want to introduce the things of the law back into the gospel, and that began to hinder the, 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 the faith of those that, in the church at Galatia. So the problem that Paul is referring to is that believers were tempted to go back to living in, under the curse of the law. Another gospel. Teaching away from the grace of God. He says, obey not the truth. Well, this, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 helps us with that. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations into every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing to captivity your thought to the obedience of Christ. Let me read that again. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Anything contrary to the gospel that saved you, okay, that, that is something we have to diligently cast out and say, we don't believe that. I don't believe that. That's why we do practice separation from different denominations or different churches because doctrine matters. So we've got to be careful. So you may say, well, doctrine's boring. It's vital. It's vital and it's important if we're going to run in the race. And he says, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So venture away from the truth of the gospel is a hindrance. And also going to be a weight, as referred to, as I said in chapter, Hebrews chapter 12. Now this is a question I want you to participate, though. What are some other weights that can weigh us down in running the Christian race of faith? What are some other things that can weigh us down to become weights to us? Thoughts, feel free just to speak up. It's the, our past. Dwelling in the past can be a weight, can be like an anchor holding you right where you're at and you're not moving forward. What else? Fear. Fear is a great weight that will paralyze you. you can be described, fear can be described as, as a paralyzing thing that keeps you from doing anything uh, in uh, service to God. Anything else? What other thoughts? Renee? Okay, so circumstances of life, different circumstances of life. What else? Worry, Cara. Unforgiveness. Oh, that's a. Both of those are big ones. Unforgiveness. Uh, God says if we have ought with a brother and we don't deal with it, you, you're 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 not going to be able to serve God. You're going to you got a got a ought between him and, and and yourself and God. What else? Anything else? Over here. Renee. Uh, terminally, uh, terminally ill. Term, terminally ill, struggling with a physical ailment. Yeah. Linda. Bitterness. Bitterness. We talked about this morning. Yeah. That'll certainly uh, kill your spiritual life and take you out of the race. Or, did you have one over here?
Self-reliance will absolutely take you out of the race. Why? Because it's going to take the power you have away from you to live and run the race. We cannot do it in our own power. You're going to be like me in that one race. You're going to start... Uh, you're going to faint. You're going to, you're going to drop. And, oh, I had to run that for the rest of the year. I hated that. Uh, but I'm not bitter about it. Um, so these are all weights, okay? Maybe it's your job that, uh, that uh, and you're just dealing with problems at your job. And, and uh, maybe all sorts of weights, the cares of life, and it's weighing you down, and all those things, okay? But what does it say for us to do with them? It says we can recognize them. We know their weights. We'll say it's keeping us from running the race. But it says this, let us lay aside every weight. So you know it. You know it's a weight. You know it's keeping you from running. You know it's hindering you. But it says you need to throw it to the side. You need to get rid of it. If you want to run the race, you got to deal with those weights. Okay, so we're in this race. We know the finish line. We know we got to uh, first stand. We know we walk, and then we begin to run. But what's the finish line? What's the goal? What are we looking for? It's when we die. That's the finish line, right? So in other words, the race doesn't stop. While you're alive, you're in the race, and you're, you're in this race the whole time that you're alive as a Christian. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7 says this. This is Paul towards the end of his life, and he's speaking to Timothy, and he says this. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He says, here I am. I'm finished my course. I'm about to go home. Now, notice that he said, my course. By the way, all of us have a different course. It's not going to be the same. He said, he's set a course before each and every one of us to run. And you can't run my course. I can't run yours. You have a different course. We have a course set before us to run. And everyone's is different. God sets the course. He sets the course. You run the race set before you. So death or the rapture, or the rapture would be the other event, would be the end of the race here on this earth. So if you're alive and the rapture occurs, you will experience kind of a translation as well. But are you prepared? Do you want to be caught in that day where your race is over and you quit running long ago? Now, Talking about regret. So we want to make sure we're in the race all the way through the finish line and not give up. So there's also a prize. Do you realize there's a prize for finishing the race and keeping the faith? That there's a prize for you? We see what that is in 1 Corinthians. Well, we see a reference to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says this, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Well, what is the prize? Well, if you have your Bibles, you can look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 is another reference to it. 
where he says, Brethren, I count myself to not, to not have apprehended, but this one thing I do, this forgetting those things in, that are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But what is it? What is this prize? The prize, we can find that again when he's speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So he goes back. I already read the two verses. He says, I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then he says, henceforth. Henceforth. Because I've finished my course, I've kept the faith, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. There is a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them, to, unto all of them also that love his appearing. I believe those that drop out and quit, okay, are going to miss out on receiving the crown. By the way, the crown, we're going to turn around and give back to Jesus because it belongs to him anyways. But we don't want to go empty-handed, do we? But too often, like I said earlier, we get saved. We know we're settled in our salvation. We know we're going to heaven. We begin to walk and, and we're uh, uh, being led by the Spirit, but we never get to where we're running the race. We're not looking towards that prize ahead of us. And then we get discouraged when we take our eyes off the prize. You know, sadly, there will be some that apostatize, that drop out. They don't they just com they completely drop out, drop out of the race. They drop out of the race, even deny God, deny Christ. So there is a prize ahead of us. But also, along the way, in this race, we should help others get into and stay in the race. We help others get into the race and stay in the race. Now, again, as, as Paul is speaking to Timothy, he says this, Hold fast the form of sound doctrine which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which is committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. So, the Apostle Paul took on many people that he taught, okay, and he called them children, and he helped them to run the race. And he says, now I want you to hold on to this, what you've been taught. Take it and run. He says in 1 Timothy, where Paul is urging Timothy to run the race of faith without making a critical error. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Err means they were led astray. They were led astray to living for the things seen instead of the things unseen. You, for, by faith we live for the things not seen, but too often we drop the ball of faith, we drop the baton that, that was given to us, and we're running, and we stop running, and we start living for the world. We're no longer in the race. He says that's an error. Beware of it. You cannot claim a life of faith by living for the things of this world. A life of faith that pleases God is a life that walks and runs in the race. He goes on to instruct Timothy. He says in verse 11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Flee the things of the 
the world and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. You know what I'm learning in my life? It is a fight. This is not for the meek of heart. Living and running the race of faith is a fight. Remember who we fight, though. We fight against spiritual darkness. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until when? Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he urges him the same thing. Take what you learned. Take the gospel I taught you. Take it. Hold on to it. Fight the good fight of faith. Keep running and running and running and running and running until the appearing of Christ. That's when your race is over. There's no retirement. There's no time to just stop and quit. This is a true story about a two Scottish missionaries and another missionary. There was these uh, two Scottish missionaries, they were sent to the New Hybrids Islands and they were killed. They were eaten by cannibals. The very day that they arrived, they got there and the very day they arrived, they were eight. and after that it, it proved difficult. You can imagine, it was difficult to get any missionary to want to go, or volunteers that they would want to go back. But then there was one man, John Patton, agreed to go. Now, there were a lot of well-meaning people in the church that tried to dissuade him from going. Uh, but he, and, uh, and one man warned him about what happened to the others. And uh, that also reminds me of the Apostle Paul when he wanted to go to Jerusalem. And he there was folks that wanted to dissuade him from doing what he felt God had led him to do. And uh, there's going to be those voices that want to dissuade you from uh, running the race, okay? But you've got to listen to the right, the right voices. And here is what Patton replied. He says, I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. So he said, what difference does it make if I die there or if I die here? I want to die running the race. And this is what God called me to do. And if that leads to my d departure... I am fine with that. That reminds me very much of many things the Apostle Paul said. For me to die is gain. That's what he said. So that's the way he believed it. After 15 years of fruitful ministry, almost everyone on the island where he ministered were converted. Patton had his eye on the prize and thus was able to live a life of faith without fear for the glory because he's focused on the glory that was ahead of him. He's focused on the prize. And what about you? Are you in the race? Are you in it? Maybe you're uh, uh, 
need to deal with walking first, okay? Let's get into the race. Let's run. Have you thought about dropping out? How about this? When's the last time you helped someone else get into the race or stay in the race? That's part of our responsibility is too. So I want to encourage you all. I want to encourage each and every one of us. Let's stay in the race. Let's stay in this race of faith and do it uh, with our eyes on the prize ahead of us.